Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We allow God's Word to do the speaking for us. We just bring out the truth that we find here in this magnificent book. The most accurate historical document in the history of the world. And as this world continues to travel down the path that it's traveling down, it will remain the most accurate historical document ever compiled. Because let's face it, let's face it, what what do we see nowadays? We're writing history as we go, according to whatever group wants to write about themselves, right? So history is not really history anymore. We're rewriting old history and making it new history, and we'll just continue to do that. But this truth remains the same. Last week we had a verse that Jesus Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and what was it? Forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, as we close out this morning in the book of Hebrews, I pray that your spirit will continue to teach us as the days, weeks, months, and years go by what we've gone over in this magnificent letter. Lord, allow these truths to penetrate our heart in a way that we can apply them to our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's safe to say that a surgeon is under a tremendous amount of pressure. I mean... Once that patient goes under, the life of that patient is in the hands of the surgeon. It would actually be rather foolish, though, if the surgeon just showed up for surgery and just kind of, you know, winged it. I mean, would you want to go to the operating table knowing that your surgeon didn't prepare? Growing up, I had a friend, his father was an orthopedic surgeon, and I remember one time, I'll never forget this, one time he shared with me how his dad had stayed up a little bit later that night reading a case that was a surgery similar to what he was going to do in the morning. And I was young, so I thought, like, why does he have to go back and study? But as I'm getting older, I realize, no, it's important to show up prepared. Brothers and sisters, we need to show up here prepared. We need to show up here each and every Sunday prepared. Do you show up here prepared? Did you show up here prepared this morning? Do you prep during the week before you walk through these doors over here? How's your preparation going? But with that being said, the real question is, how should we prepare? I'm standing here telling you that you should come through these doors prepared. I'm asking if you have prepared, but what I haven't done as of yet is explain how we should prepare. And this answer to this question is actually found in the title of our sermon this morning. Humble prayer. Humble prayer. As we close out the book of Hebrews, we're going to be in chapter 13 looking at the last few verses verses 17 through 25. But before we get into the text, we need to remember what happened last week. 
See, we were encouraged to know God is pleased when we live inside this world like outsiders. Live in the world, not of the world. We recognize that this world's change is constant. Yes, it is. But only God's grace is consistent. Today we're closing out our time in Hebrews. And we'll do so by focusing on prayer as it pertains to restoration within our fellowship because of Jesus Christ. So let's get into this text this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 18 and ending with verse 25. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy, and send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we want to simplify them by stating this. Believers show up to fellowship prepared when they first humbled themselves in prayer. Believers show up to fellowship prepared when they first humbled themselves in prayer. Dwight L. Moody was an evangelist and a publisher. There's an account of a trip that he took across the Atlantic on a ship. The ship ended up having a fire on board. And as the fire was blazing, they started a bucket line to pass down, to throw on the fire, and then rinse and repeat and keep the process going. He was standing next to a friend, and his friend actually suggested to Moody, he said, Hey, why don't we go to the other side of the ship up there and pray? Moody looked at his friend and said, no. We're going to stand right here in this line and pass buckets while we pray. See, what Moody understood was this. He understood that it was first and foremost, yes, important to pray, but it's also important to pray in action. Verses 18 and 19, we see just that because after all, when we pray to God, what are we doing? We're calling God to action. Prayer energizes our actions via the Holy Spirit. We can't forget that. It is Him living within us. That is the energy that we utilize in order to do the work that God has called us to do. See, to pray is to actually seek a face-to-face conversation with the Lord. That's what we're doing when we pray. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're able to speak to God face-to-face. 
We should pre-plan everything that we do through prayer. We should be taking this face-to-face conversation with the Lord seriously. If we do not, it's as effective as walking through the door and then asking for a blessing. That's showing up ill-prepared. That's your surgeon showing up saying, oh, we'll just do this or that, you know, who knows. We'll just get in there and find out and see what we see. You can't walk through the door and then ask for a blessing later with anything in life, whether it's these doors or any other door that you're asking the Lord to open. We need to prepare in prayer. Now, we should intercede for others, though, because that's exactly what the author is asking for right here. And what intercession means, it means when you're asking somebody else to pray for you or when you're actually praying for someone else yourself. The author of Hebrews is asking for prayer. He's the leader. But the leader is asking the congregation to pray for him. So, did you Pray for your leaders before you walk through this door this morning? I mean, if we were all honest with ourselves, did you say a prayer for me? Did you say a prayer for Pastor Jared, Pastor Steve, Pastor Israel? If you're honest with yourself, I'm going to go out, not on a limb, a very sturdy, firm branch, and say, a very, 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 very high percentage of us did not. See, if you didn't, you just walked through these doors this morning magically hoping a blessing would happen in your life today. If you don't pray for us as leaders, how is the Lord going to bless you? If you don't pray for us as leaders, I don't care who it is standing in this pulpit on Sunday morning, we're not getting up here and winging it. We've prepared all week to share the message that the Lord has from His Word. But we need your prayers because your prayers will help us bless you because the Lord wants to use us to give you a blessing, and God's Word is just that. Now, I know His truth is harsh, and sometimes it's not easy to swallow, but it's always what we need when we need it. And even though it's harsh and tough, it's still a blessing. We need your prayers. I can speak for myself today. I need your prayers as I sit down through the week to put this message together, I can only be as effective as your prayers are for me. It's important to pray for the elders of the church, and that's why I mentioned Pastor Jared, Pastor Steve, Pastor Israel. And this is due to polity. See, one of the things that that we did here at Villa's Grace Church that Pastor Steve has always been on board with We are conducting ourselves biblically. See, that word polity, that's really a big word. You don't have to really worry about it. I'll define it really quick. When you hear the word polity, think about how your church is governed. See, there's a lot of churches that are actually governed by the congregation. But see, that's getting it backwards. If the congregation is to govern the church, then why would the leaders here in Hebrews be asking for prayers for their leadership? The biblical example of leadership in the local church is 
qualified men, elders, who lead the church. The dog wags the tail, the tail doesn't wag the dog. But with that being said, the four men who spiritually lead this church need your prayers. There's so many things that we deal with that go beyond just simply sitting down, studying God's Word, and then delivering the message to you. There's so much more that's involved with running this church, but we need your prayers in the process. See, even leaders who have a clear conscience, as it says right here, even those with a clear conscience still need prayer because a clear conscience is the key word to desiring that we see come next. Desiring, as it says, to act honorably in all things. Most notably, desiring to act honorably before the Lord. We need your prayers so we can continue to act honorably with that clear conscience before the Lord. See, a clear conscience and to act honorably in all things is achieved by repenting. How else are you going to receive a clear conscience? The only way that that is possible is through repentance. But if you're praying for your leaders before you come through the door, it sets us up to be active in our repentance so we can lead and govern with a clear conscience. Nobody here does any of this on their own. We mentioned softball. We're giddy that we made a double play, didn't we? Did you hear what I just said? A double play. It takes... Two, to tango, can't get a double play all the time by yourself. Sometimes you can. But in our case, we didn't get a double play by ourselves. It was teamwork. There were three, four individuals involved in that one play. Pitcher pitches, batter hits, shortstop receives, second base, second base to first base, two out. This is a team effort, but we need to be praying for one another. Most notably, here in the beginning, the leaders are asking you at Villa's Grace to be praying for us. The blood of Jesus, and this is very, 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 very important. When we see that word conscience and having a clear conscience, that's only achievable by the blood of Jesus. And I want to share this quote from Adam Smith on conscience. So he says this, I'm just going to read it for you. Conscience is the judgment which we pronounce on our own conduct by putting ourselves in the place of a bystander. Pray for us to help us see ourselves from the outside. We need those types of prayers. See, only Jesus can clear a man's conscience. There was a man named Albert Speer. He was one of Adolf Hitler's confidants. He was one of 24 men that actually pled guilty from Nazi Germany in the Nuremberg trials. He pled guilty, served 20 years in prison. He was asked after he was released if 20 years was enough to clear his conscience. He said no. And he said another 10 or 30 more years wouldn't either. He said to this day, I still walk around with the guilt of what I did. Church, think about that. Like Dwight Moody, we should be actively praying while we're being active, but we need to be praying for that repentance because that's the only way a man can clear his conscience. Albert Speer 
is walking around, or not anymore, would, was walking around the rest of his days without a clear conscience because he didn't know the blood of Jesus. Prayer and praying with a clear conscience is foundational for fellowship. We cannot fellowship in a biblical manner if it's not saturated in prayer first. Do this in order that I may be restored to you, the author writes. Do this, church, so we can continually be restored to one another. Guess what? Sin happens. Not if it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. How are you going to respond? I will say this. You will respond far more effectively if you pray prior to. That's right. Pray prior to fellowship because sin's going to happen. But when it does happen, we need to encourage one another in repentance so we can have clear consciences. Do this so that we can continually be restored because active prayers restore the soul. That's basically what we're getting from this text. When our prayers are active, when they're in action, it helps restore the soul. You need to be praying for your leaders and pray also Not only for them, but pray for your fellow believers. So let's summarize these first two verses with this one simple sentence. Honor before the Lord is sustained by prayer. The only way that we can restore our honor or sustain our honor before the Lord is through prayer. Honor before the Lord is sustained by prayer. In our prayers, we can repent That can bring the Lord honor. It clears the conscience for us to do His work. Also, we said this this morning. Believers show up to fellowship prepared when they first humble themselves in prayer. I know it says humbled. That's where I needed somebody to help me with my typo. You get the drift. When you first humble yourself in prayer. We'll throw up our sermon title slide, just, just the background you can make that out, it's actually a, a shepherd depicted shepherding his flock, shepherding his, his sheep. See, biblically speaking, there are sheep, there are under shepherds, and then there is the great shepherd. So the sheep would be those in the church who are believers of Jesus Christ, who have saving faith in Jesus. The under shepherds would be myself, Pastor Jared, Pastor Steve, Pastor Israel, We've been asked by the Lord to be shepherds underneath Him. See, we follow Him. You follow us, follow Him. But we all follow Jesus. We're under shepherds because He is the great shepherd. Pastoring is shepherding. In verses 20 and 21, first the author of Hebrews, our first two verses, 18 and 19, first the the author was asking for prayers from the people. Now he's praying for those whom he asked prayer from. So he's flipped the script. He went from asking for prayers to now these two verses are really a prayer. He's praying for the sheep. He's closing out the entire book of Hebrews with this prayer. He is having a face-to-face conversation with the God of peace, as it says there in the text. That's right, the God of peace. God is both the author and the giver of of peace. Peace derives from the blood of the cross. That violent 
interaction that Jesus had on the cross actually is where peace comes from, which is why Jesus was brought again from the dead, as it says. This peace reminds us of our hope of the return of Jesus. When Jesus returns, as we see in Revelation 19, He he comes back riding a white horse. And then the text goes on to say that He makes war with men. See, that final battle will bring everlasting peace. All of these wars that we see today, all of these talks of wars, they won't bring any peace. No amount of fighting now will bring peace. The only peace that is to come that will last forever is when Jesus comes back riding the white horse making war with men. Now Jesus is the great shepherd of sheep, as it says here in the text. Jesus was the good shepherd prior to. See, Jesus was considered the good shepherd before he went to the cross. After Jesus went to the cross, he was considered the great shepherd. Shepherd has a root word, and it means to protect, means to care for the flock. I want to share a quick story with you with something that happened here this week. One of the things that I, I struggle with being put in this position as an under-shepherd, I get really protective of the flock. And it comes out in different ways. We had a situation we leased to a daycare, our second building. They called me up on Monday afternoon and said, hey, Pastor Matt, it's getting super hot in here. Something's wrong with the AC. Long story short, I show up to look at the AC. I knew it was in the ceiling of the bathrooms, one of the bathrooms, in the front of the building. And I knew that because when Mike Young was here and Mr. Norm and and Pastor Jared, they helped Mike install this unit. So I go, I find the unit, and I'm like, this unit is not running. Why isn't this unit running? It's getting no power. I checked all the minor things I know how to do, but there was no power going to the unit. Well, what I didn't know was this. Upon further investigation, I had to call another AC company to come out, and the guy told me, he said, look, you got some missing parts here. We rang up the total, it was over $1,000 in missing parts. It was going to be about $2,600 to get a new unit. Those parts weren't missing. Those parts were taken. And I was heated. I was heated. How dare somebody steal from our flock? I was so upset. I spent Monday, the rest of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, watching security footage. I met with the Montessori school, went over their footage with them. I couldn't put this this puzzle together. I had one suspect in mind. It was a pretty good lead. The only person that had access to the building that would have had the know-how and the means to want to actually commit the theft. But after more investigation... What I found out was this. The unit that I looked at was a unit that got put in back in 1999 and hadn't been used in years. A new unit was put in the other bathroom that I didn't know about. There was a theft, but the theft probably happened over a decade ago. But what I learned in the process was, A, don't jump to conclusions too quickly, but B, 
It's okay to be protective. It's okay to be that shepherd. But there's a way to do it. And I learned a valuable lesson in that. And what did I have to do? I was a bit accusatory. I had to go back to everybody that I had spoken to about the situation and let them know what happened. Even apologizing by asking forgiveness for sinning against those who work in the daycare. Getting a hold of the owner of the Montessori school to let him know, like, hey, there was a theft. Potentially, it happened a long time ago. Thank you for your help. I didn't want him thinking that I was accusing somebody else, and then the rumor mill gets spread because of sin. I had to circle back around. See, my point in all of this is this. How much more effective could I have been in that process even seeking the counsel of Pastor Steve and Pastor Jared and Pastor Israel all along the way, how more effective could all four of us have been in that process if you would have been praying for us prior to? Now, I know that there are those of you here that do pray for us during the week, and we need those prayers, but we need more of them because it's not about what you see here on Sunday morning all the time. There's a lot more that meets the eye. And I know a lot of you need know that, but what I want you to know today is this. We need your prayers, but you also need prayers too, which is why we're closing the entire book with this prayer. See, your elders are shepherds too. We are the under-shepherds, and that's why these prayers are so important. Brothers and sisters, as part of the flock of Jesus Christ, we all have a responsibility we all have a responsibility. That's the reason why when people say that expression, I can't stand it, it's not biblical, it's anti-gospel, people will say, let go and let God. That makes absolutely no sense. If we're letting go and letting God, how does anything get done? It's unbiblical. We know that this is untrue because we've been equipped to do His will. We need to participate in anything and everything that has eternal value. That's what it's all about. The will of God is just that. The will of God, our responsibility is to participate in any and everything that has eternal value. Yes, a broken AC that needs fixed does have eternal value. You know why? Because we are the landlords of a daycare. That AC doesn't get fixed. It affects all of the parents bringing their kids each and every day. It affects their work schedule. And what does it look like if we don't take care of our responsibilities? What if we just say, let go and let God? No. No. We represent Jesus to this community, even through AC. If we represent ourselves well, somebody might show up here to hear the gospel being preached and proclaimed. Another reason why we go verse by verse through the Bible, because it's impossible, it is impossible to not preach Jesus if you preach the Bible in its context. Every single verse leads to Him. In my opinion, when churches do not preach verse by verse through the Bible, every verse ends up leading to you or the one preaching. This book's not about me. This book's not about you. It's about Him. And He has called us to a responsibility. But we understand clearly today that 
The leaders need prayer, but also the flock needs prayer too. We need to be preparing through prayer. And if you're confused about His will, ask. Ask Him. How does does this pertain to eternity? How does this have eternal value, Lord? Because it'd be really hard to see an AC unit going out having eternal value. But through prayer, we can see that if we don't know. Now, can you see why the author both asked for prayer and prayed for the flock? Can, you, can we see that now? Name something. Name one thing. I would challenge you to name one thing. In this life, on this earth, right here, right now, that is more important than eternity. Name just one thing. There's nothing, is there? Nothing in this life or on this earth is more important than eternity. So as Joe comes up and we close out, we have eternal hope. We have eternal hope because we've been raised with Jesus. These last two verses make it very clear that the resurrection of Jesus gives us eternal hope. Let's be a church that shares that hope with others. Let's be praying for each other so we can share that hope with others. This is, as it says right here, pleasing in His sight. God is pleased when we share His gift. It's pleasing to God because it's Christ working through us, not us working for Christ. Jesus works through us. We don't work for Him. That's another expression. We'll say, we did this for Jesus. No, Jesus does it for himself, but he does it through us. And when we think like that, we remember what Dwight Moody did, right? He didn't go away and get in his holy huddle and start praying with his friend. No, he prayed while he worked. We can all pray while we work. While he passed those buckets to help put out that fire on the ship, he kept praying. And this is way easier, way easier to do. In fact, it's really easy to do if you first prepared in prayer prior to arriving. And this brings us to our second point this morning and final. Doing the will of God begins with prayer. It's that simple. Doing the will of God begins with prayer. If you attempt to do God's will without first praying, you're not going to achieve what you set out to do. Again, we stated earlier that honor before the Lord is sustained in prayer. And finally, believers show up to fellowship prepared when they first humble themselves in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to listen to your word from the book of Hebrews. I pray that we can be a church that encourages one another in you. I pray that we can be a church that shares you with others so we can see people come to a saving faith through the blood and work of Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.
Bye.